Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the God, Guns, and Family podcast with Nate and Mike, or Mike and Nate, however you want to look at it. Today we're talking about what defines us. Um, Yeah, nothing crazy. Hope you like it. Ciao. Shut up, Goose. Recording in progress. <laughs> you caught me yelling at my dog. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening again. Yes. Thanks for tuning in, hanging out. All right. Like, subscribe, share, subscribe. That's what we say in the muster all the time. But, guys, honestly, freaking, we're so grateful for everyone that tunes in. And waits. I mean, I was just uh, had the pl- privilege of, you know, helping your parents get all squared away on the move to Florida, dude. But like they once they realized I was the Nate from the podcast, bro, they You're were so like, ridiculous, dude. Dude, your mom was like, "You're a celebrity in my house." I'm like, what? <laughs> "No, mom, we're good." Like, I'm well, because to I told her, friend. and she's like, "Oh, dude." She literally goes. <gasps> you're the Nate from the podcast and goes from around her like thing and gives me a hug. And I'm like, I'm so gross and sweaty right now, but yeah, dude, it's been a privilege. So she don't care. She's gross and sweaty. Just kidding. Mom. I love you. Bye. (laughs) She listens to this too. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, busy week. Dude. Yeah. Your week. It's been a couple weeks, huh? Yeah. Uh, two, there'll be, yeah. Two weeks, one week hiatus. Yeah, so two weeks it's been this week busy traveling and uh, back home now, and I don't travel again for two weeks. Well, for work, good. Going traveling next week for elk. That's worth but traveling. Probably for. won't. Probably won't see anything, but we're gonna go out anyway, just to see. And then rifle season after that for deer. Ooh, do you got? I guess that yours is all over the counter, right? Yeah, yeah, it's queen. Oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong state. Yeah. Yeah, you are. That's why I have I this to... mug to remind you. <laughs> I was telling your dad, dude. He's like, yeah, you're up in Idaho. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, and he's like, probably every couple months, he's telling me he's it's time to move out. And he'll randomly send me flights from Phoenix to, to Idaho. And he just starts laughing. He's like, yeah, that's Mike. But yeah, dude, if I'm ready to not have to freaking do this lottery, bro. And like, let's go get an animal. Well, you can get an over-the-counter tag here too. You just have to pay the out-of-state stuff. So, like for an out-of-state deer tag, it's like two something, which isn't terrible. And then the license itself, I don't know for sure. But like for Shannon, mm-hmm. for disabled vet, it's like forty percent. If you're forty percent, you get a combo, a three-day fishing hunting combo, and it's like. $27 and then the deer tag is like 12 bucks and then the elk tag I think is 20 but still bro that's like yeah no it's good it's I not see like him, Texas I see... Texas is free but I mean it's 
way cheaper than Arizona. <clears throat> yeah, Arizona's crazy, dude. So there are there are draw areas where they're controlled hunts like Hell's Canyon, yeah. which has got the monster elk in there. And uh I don't I don't know if there's any deer draw areas. And then there's the moose draw, which is a once in a lifetime draw. So So that's like the bighorn out here, bighorn sheep draw. Is that one in a lifetime? Yeah. And like even if you get drawn and don't shoot you something. Don't shoot something or whatever. That's it's it. still like you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's You'll how it is too. You'll never get drawn. Once you get drawn, you never do again. But yeah, dude, I'm I'm ready for I was telling a buddy from work, I was like, dude, we need to uh I need to figure out a way to live outdoors in the mountains from September to December every year. Unequivocally, just no answer. Just get to the mountains, set up and just live there. Hop units to unit to unit to unit. That's it. I'm down. Live out of a tent. I'm cool with that. That's yeah, boy. What, that's, what, that's what we need to do. My wife's not quite there yet. My beautiful bride over there, she's kind of rolling her eyes at that thought. But she's she doesn't realize that now she's on staff for the dude I hunt with for part of the organization. She's, she's on staff with the organization. So now she's our camera woman. She doesn't realize that yet. Um, that she's going with us, but she'll be taking pictures of everyone hunting. So I can't wait to take her out on that adventure. She just made a barfing face. No. <clears throat> yeah. So I told Andrew because next week is archery tag for me. And I was telling him, I was like, well, you're going to have the range finder and you're going to tell me the distance so that I can shoot if we see anything okay that's awesome and um so he's down with that and then he's like well we'll go we can go hunting again next week and i'm like probably not the next week but maybe when i get back from virginia you've been traveling a lot for work it's pretty pretty consistent is it usually pretty busy this time of year for work um well it's only kind of busy because the one person on our team has been out and we've been having mm. to kind of cover and like it's only supposed to be twenty five percent of my job, but it's been quite more than that. So yeah. So usually I'll do like one one trip a month, maybe two. Yeah. And I've done two this month, but I did one last week at Mountain Home, which is right here. So it's like a thirty minute drive or whatever. So that's not that big of a deal. Um, but I was gone for a week in August. I mean, pretty pretty consistently, two three day trips every month which yeah. is usually okay it's like two to three days a month is not a bad deal so about a week and then but next month i have to go to oregon for like four days on the yeah. coast that's on I mean, the coast co though in the coast, coast Garden. Of oregon's beautiful yeah coast guard installations and then the, the week following that i have to go to norfolk virginia so <laughs> All the way across, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I upgraded the flights because it's a long flight. Yeah. Which I pay for the upgrade. So, hey, it is what it is. But it's a three hour flight to Dallas and then another three hour flight to Virginia. So that's pretty poops. Oh, crazy. Kind of got to do the V, the V travel. Yeah. I was trying to get Delta, but no bueno. No, no bueno, bueno. But I did find a jujitsu school that's really close to the hotel. Hey, okay. And I do you just pay drop-in rate or what? 
yeah i called him and i was like yeah dude i was like i'm gonna be there and he's like cool man he's like 50 bucks for the week i was like perfect perfect uh do if they even charge i mean yeah you typically at least in my old academies and stuff like that it was like if you knew anyone that went there and there was like you were any sort of you know leo or or veteran or whatever active duty it was all free you just drop in it is what it is boom boom roll with us you be gone yeah, yeah. so all right let's get into this before we run out let's of time. do it i know <laughs> the second we... half is going to be about something else <laughs> yes yes queen i dig it i <laughs> <Yes>. guess <laughs> dude yeah right, so this got? uh i was just kind of been thinking about uh just some conversations that Amanda and I've been having uh, just over just the season of learning some some different lessons and things like that. But uh, does your past define you? Is kind of like the I don't know the question, the slogan, or whatever that we've been talking about the last couple of days. But um, really, like, what do you allow to to define you? Is it your past? Is it your mistakes? Like what? Like what, what do you allow to define you? I guess is, is the better question. So, um, and I feel like Amanda and I have been in like this last season, the last four years of really just like redefining and defining and, you know, allowing the Holy spirit to teach and to mold into, into like grow us and, and do all these different things. Um, that we really just kind of identified with ourselves. So like, for instance, like for me, um, and Amanda can say the same when, uh, if she ever comes back on here and talks about this, but um, like we got into our previous marriages based on the image of it being something that we never experienced growing up, like a stable long-term relationship. When in reality, we like married into um, an insane asylum to put it nicely. Um, but it was, we had got into these places, allowing our past to determine where we were going in our future. So like everything that I had experienced growing up was dysfunction in my home. My dad was, it was like eggshells all the time. My mom was just, you know, super codependent and different things like that. Um, um, and we allowed ourselves um, to make choices based on the culmination of our past. So we got into a marriage that, that appeared to be amazing, um, but it came with its own set of stuff. Um, going forward, it's like in this season, we were coming out of, you know, healing out of making choices that exploded our whole world. And allowing the Holy Spirit to heal us intentionally, taking the time to feel, taking the time to sit through the, the consequences and the actions and, and the reactions to our choices. We either had the choice to allow our prior mistakes and issues to then define where we were going now. And it was a pretty interesting moment that started this whole train of thought was um, we had a worship night, um, probably I think it was the 6th. When was the worship night? A couple of weeks ago. Um, and Shannon had walked over at the very end and handed me the microphone and was like, Hey, you're going to close. I was like, like, no, like 
I don't do that anymore. I don't have no, I don't, don't, I have no microphone no more. Like I blew up that, that privilege, that honor, like it's not in my wheelhouse anymore. So he's like, no, you're closing. And he hands me the microphone and walks away. So like I had a moment that I didn't even realize the gravity of it until my beautiful wife took a photo after the fact or during it and showed me after the fact. And I realized like God redeemed the thing that I thought I had blown up myself and you know, the honor of speaking in a ministry position uh, at the front of a worship night or front of a stage and praying for people like I thought all that was gone on a ministry scale and God redeemed it. And it's like allowing the mistakes of your past to not determine your future, but allow the grace of Jesus to rewrite your history, rewrite your story. And one of the coolest things that I had ever heard was um, it was this old retired missionary lady of that, you know, had t- took in us both in and, and showed us who Jesus was in that whole season. But she's like, you know, this whole past, it, it, this will become history. And before you know it, your history will become his story that he's rewriting in your future. And, um, it was that moment that's working itself out is man, like, do we allow, um, do we allow, um, and edit and, um, allowing what Jesus wants to accomplish through your mistakes. Cause sometimes like for, for, at least for me, my biggest failures have become his greatest displays of grace and mercy. Um, and in those moments of failure, he displays his ability to bring grace into a broken situation. So um, I had a choice to make going forward. Like, do I keep, do I choose to allow the Holy spirit to heal trauma triggers and to um, like, do we have the hard conversations with my beautiful wife and I, like, do we have the difficult conversations and with the intent and purpose and focus on shining light into an area that we still have a trauma trigger from past experiences? Do we take the time to have difficult conversations about childhood trauma, about, you know, even dealing with the things that we dealt with in our prior um, marriages? And, and do we take the time to heal or do we just push them off to the side and do we keep moving and allowing um, life to dictate like allowing the culmination of those traumas and those things that you've walked through your past to continue to define you or do you take the time to heal through and allow his grace to rewrite your future right um oh yeah so just <laughs> my wife's over here she's like sending me like hey remember this you can say this because this is pretty just, rad just tell her to get up and get over here <laughs> he says get up and get over here she says nope um, but it was just well, in this whole instance, right? <laughs> it was like, uh, even this is last week. Okay. Um, I have a huge, I respond to tone. So if you, you could tell me I was doing the best job in the whole world, but if you said it in a tone in which was sharp or, you know, a little harsh or brash or whatever, like you were going to elicit, 
um, you're going to elicit a jerk face, um, right? Come out no matter what. So every time, and we just had this conversation because every time she gets frustrated at a particular situation or me, and she like has a, has a tone in which is frustrated, it immediately elicits a trauma response that's directly coordinated with my ex-wife. So it like, she comes at me and it'll elicit this reaction. And she's like, I don't understand how you're the only one that can be frustrated because you don't, you might not say anything as you're frustrated. Your face does, you know, like your whole body language tells me that you're frustrated. But as soon as I come at you with a, like being frustrated in that moment and you respond like a jerk, like how is that even, and really taking the time to realize like, holy crap, that still is a trauma trigger that I have to deal with. Like that is a flaw in my personality. Like that's been there forever. Like uh, being ultra, ultra sensitive to, to tone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to like, take time to like sit with Jesus and be like, man, so where does this come from? It's like, okay. Yeah. It comes from like early childhood traumas. Okay. Like being so aware of tone and surrounding. Cause I was always the kid that had to like, if it was the, the waves were, were a little high, I had to smooth out everything. I had to be like the effort, the, um, I don't even remember what like the psychological term is or whatever for it, but the kid that had to like, you know, the boat was rocking too much. I had to come in and stabilize the water, stabilize the boat and being, young and having like we're having to walk on eggshells and my dad's response to my mom and my mom to my dad and blah 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 blah. like realizing i'm still carrying that stuff into my marriage now and into like where where the holy spirit is taking me and realizing it's take it has to take sitting with the holy spirit to chisel that away to to not allow the past trauma from my childhood to dictate how i respond to my wife today yeah. you know what i mean does that make sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so really it's just taking the moments to, instead of like, I mean, cause I could very easily have been like, okay, well that was just a stupid, like, you know, misunderstanding and, and not had taken the time to like really analyze it and sit with the Holy spirit in it and hear what my wife was saying versus what I perceived and like heard it from a different angle and was like, man, that really is an error. Like I really messed up in that regard being very self like reflective like hey how like how did what where did that response come from because it was like a like an instantaneous response she came at me frustrated in tone i came out as douchebag like immediately it was like like a like pinball like she responded that's just what happened and i could have just taken it as you know that was just a misunderstanding let's carry about our day no big deal or taking the time to be like hey man why did i respond like that like, what is the root cause of the said thing? This response was rooted in tone. Okay, well, why am I sensitive to tone? Okay, the list starts back when I was as far as I can remember. Okay, the Holy Spirit, like, I want you to heal that. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be so responsive to tone that I'm not displaying who Christ is to my wife in the marriage or my kids in the marriage. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. you need to be constantly evaluating the inside of you because no one else can see it other than you. You can put on a face and you can pretend you can do, but the only person that can see the inside of you is you and the Holy spirit. So, you know, that is, that is kind of where 
we have been this last little bit was like really processing through, are we allowing past to dictate future? So be conscious of that. I'm anxious to see your take on that shenanigans. Okay. Where did it go? Recording in progress. That's what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, dude. So I just had a, a moment to realize like, hey, bro, you can either choose to remain how you've always been as a culmination of all the past you've been through or make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to transform you in this moment and how you think about this going forward. Um, and I think really just realizing like, that's what, that's the revelation that, that I had was in everything in our life, we have the ability to ask ourselves that question. Are we going to remain the same? Or are we going to allow the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus to change our, our direction, you know, offer us an alternative direction to go in, which is one of healing, grace, mercy, repentance, and forgiveness, right. And ultimately change, um, this whole thing is choosing to rewire the supercomputer, which is your brain, and to rewire it in such a way that the Holy Spirit can use it to bring about the kingdom here on earth versus the perpetuation of childhood traumas and issues and mistakes and all the things that we carry with us that we uh, subconsciously allow um, to to define us if we're not intentional with allowing the Holy spirit to redefine the things and redeem the things that we thought were lost or broken or messed up. Cause he really right. does want to take your, your, the biggest heartache, the biggest issues, the biggest failures, the biggest mess ups and use them for his glory. He wants what Amanda says all the time is he wants to take your mess and make it his message. And it's, to, it, it's us saying, let's uh, allowing him in and giving him even everything you know jesus says you know um even my right my righteousness like uh, i forget who says it but they're talking to jesus like my righteousness is filthy rags compared to jesus like everything even the good stuff in me is trash that is good by my standard is is doesn't equate to the righteousness in christ and we can choose um as followers of jesus to because he's a gentleman he's not going to force you so if you want to keep holding on to your garbage he'll let you and he'll look at you like dude why you're you're weighed down he says come to me those who worry are heavy laden my my burden is easy my my burden is easier yeah it's like he wants that was beautiful dude that was fast recall pop pow he wants to he wants to, to free that weight off you, man. But he's a, he's a gentleman. He's not going to take it from you. You have to lay down. And sometimes how we think in this moment that has been defined by our past has become um, 
a stronghold has become a defense mechanism has become a self-preservation tactic that the psychology of your brain, the, the neurology of your brain is, has created that to keep you safe in a fight or flight situation that could be scary to let go of, but Jesus wants to rewrite those things and he wants to redeem those things that have caused that. Right. So it takes us willing to lay down even the stuff that's scary or, we have somehow thought has protected us through the years. We have to let go of all that in order for him to come in and, and restore and reform and change and transform our minds. Right. He says, be yeah. transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Hebrews 12, right? It's like be transformed by the renewing of the mind or Romans. I can't remember. Um, be trans. I think it's Romans. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that takes intentionality of us surrendering and allowing the transformation of our mind to occur. And it's a, it, we have to be willing to lay down everything and allow him to do something that he wants with it. So what's your take on this whole past defining you shenanigans? Well, when you initially brought it up, I was more along the lines of thinking, defining me as a person where like my past experiences, like, but not, oh, yeah like the way that you did it. I was thinking more like, cause a lot of times what will happen is that people will use their <clears throat> veteran status as a way to oh, yeah. define them as a person mm-hmm. when a lot of people, yeah, they spend a lot of time in the military and a good chunk of their life is, uh, is in the military and stuff, you know? Um, and like, I think it's, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but it's not mm-hmm. the only thing it's, it can yeah. be like a, it can be like a, um, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? It could be a part of who you are and a part of your past. Cause like, especially guys who served like during the time I was in, right. There's a lot, a lot of stuff happens. Um, you know, deployments and death and yeah, like consistently. Right. And, um, not to take anything away from anyone from Vietnam who was in Vietnam or desert storm or anything like that. Um, but people who are in with me, and who are vet, who are you know who have 15 years ish in right now um they've been deployed years and years mm-hmm. you know uh you know if they're if they're lucky you know if they made it through and to me that's kind of like a that's a it's a big i don't want to say a bigger deal cuz it's kind of like degrading their experience um mm-hmm. But it's just different. It's just different. Uh, one year back, when you're down. One year back, when you're down. Like that's kind of a consistent rotation that people have experienced, and it's a, uh, it's pretty. I don't know it's a pretty big deal. Like it's just kind of something that, uh, that I think people like don't really think about. And there's a lot, always a lot of people who are like, oh, you can't let being a veteran define who you are. But a lot of times, like your experiences during that time frame were such a huge thing that yeah. they, they kind of do. They shape your um, brain. Yeah. They shape your brain. They shape your responses. And there's some people who didn't experience, weren't able to cope with those experiences in a good way. And mm-hmm. we talked about it the last time. Um, but, um, they can help like for me anyways it is a part of me um and like i think it's kind of a big deal because like my whole family's military and um 
you know, and I work with military all the time now. Like that's my life is military. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily define who I am, but it does help guide me to who I am and how Mm -hmm. I live on a regular basis based on my experiences and being able to appreciate what we have in the United States because of the mm-hmm. stuff that I've experienced, not necessarily like in combat, but in other countries like Just Japan, abroad, Philippines, yeah. uh, Germany, Switzerland, France, Luxembourg, you know, B- Belgium, UK, like all these areas that I've seen that aren't necessarily bad, but they just helped me understand, like, even though those countries, you know, a lot of those countries are in decent shape, it's different. And we have, even though it's not the best place to be right now, well, it is still the best place, but the stuff that we're dealing with as a country yeah. are kind of ridiculous. And yep. it's just like, it's a, we're a joke and yep. it is what it is. Um, so that's kind of where I was thinking with, when you were talking about that, um, as far as the past de- defining you, but also yeah. we talked about it previously, like about who I was previously before, like I was saved and was able to kind of like the way I behaved. Yeah. You know, because like I didn't really put my relationship on the forefront. It was more like on the side kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, but a decent amount of the time. And, you know, I just now that I look back on it, it's like, you know, did I like set the precedent for being a, de- a you know, a douche canoe? And I kind of, you know, and I feel bad about it and um i have adjusted pretty consistently i think mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> especially like to aaron you know uh never like super like upset you know or blow up on her or whatever but we have had our arguments and because of me because i was a douche and that's just kind of what the way it was and mm-hmm. now i work on all of that stuff because I'm trying to continuously be better. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, sometimes I, you know, it, it slips, but not nearly even remotely close to where I was previously, which I think yeah. is for me anyway, a good thing. That's a big um, deal. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I was at with that whole thing and being more mm-hmm. focused on being a husband Yep. And more focusing on that than being a father. You know, That's if that good. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which, cause I just wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't someone I thought about. Cause I was always under the depression, not under the depression, but I always like tell, like I, when, when John had his kid, I'm like, bro, you're going to feel this certain way that I can't explain to you. Yeah. And your, your wife is going to immediately take, the back be on the back burner because of the way you feel for your child. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you can't really help it. So now I think that that wasn't necessarily the correct thing to say, even though it's not inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Should have been something more along the lines of you're going to feel this way. Well, that's not a good example. There, there's situations, not a good example, but yeah. In general, in general speak, yes. generally speaking, yes. as you have a child in your in your marriage, the child is super important. Yes, but you also need to you do need yes. to focus on your spouse being the number one priority. 
Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, wife, child. Yep. Jesus. The hierarchy. Yep. And yeah. So, and that's just something that I had to learn and, and um, not necessarily had to learn. It's just something that I wasn't aware of. And then since like, you know, since last October, when we started going to church, I was like, well, I'm, this is something I'm going to focus on. Yep. So that not necessarily defining me, but more importantly, altering my mentality and moving forward. That's good. good. To this whole thing. Yep. And I just, you know, and I think a lot of people don't really consider that, you know? Yep. Yep. And it's unfortunate because I see a lot of people who are very busy because of the kids and, they um don't necessarily take the time to focus on their spouse and i'm guilty of it for years yeah you know but we've we've worked we're working on fixing that we've kind of fixed it a little bit um but like other marriages that i see there's a significant focus on the children because yep. there's this going on this going on this going on and not necessarily not that they're nece- not necessarily focusing on their marriage but there's so much stuff going on that they may just be so burnt out that they don't have the time to do it, you know, and their marriage is still great. You know, it's just, I just hope that they do get the time to spend the time with just each other. Yeah. You know, um, my buddy, Nick down the street, good friend of mine, his family's, we love them. And him and his wife have been married for eons. They have three kids, two, and one of them is playing volleyball. And she, this is the one who, uh, not not that one, the other daughter is the one that had the friend who died. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so, um, like, they're always running around and stuff. And I, you know, I'm not like, it's not my business, but I hope yeah. that they have the ability to take the time for each other because, yep. but they have a great relationship from what I see. So mm-hmm. I assume it's fine. And I know that that isn't the norm. I know that. Yeah. I've seen other marriages and they're like, there's like split up and they're not necessarily not technically split up, but like they're one yeah. is taking kids to this one. The other one's taking yep. kids to this one and they just don't get the time to spend with each other. Yep. And I think that that has, that's important. Um, yep. Not necessarily only a family cohesion, but a spousal cohesion. Yeah. You know? I mean, dude, that's like the healthy from the top down, right? Like you're being very intentional to set yeah. healthy and between you and Aaron because Andrew deserves healthy parents, right? Like yep. you can't, you can't be the best parent that you can be unhealthy at the top level. Cause it's, you can't expect anything to be higher or um, ascend higher than where you're at. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even as a husband, like it's our job to set the spiritual tempo of the home. We've said that a bunch of times on the podcast, like our job, we can't expect our family to rise up higher than where we're at teaching them. Right. You can't like, that's a bad example, but, um, dude, it's kind of cool. So over the, when I was helping your, uh, your parents get all packed up, dude, I got to brag on you a little bit, dude, about, um, just how far you've come since last October. Right. Like, yeah. um, I'm like, they're like, yeah, you know, like since, this is before they knew I did the podcast with you. They're like, yeah, you know, it's like, I was like, yeah, I've just kind of been able to get like randomly ask me questions at 11 o'clock at night or eight o'clock in the night in the morning or whatever, just random spiritual questions that, that you were thinking about and text message back and forth or whatever. And 
um they're like yeah you know this this whole thing it's like <laughs> your dad's like i'm very catholic i'm like yeah it's all good man we love the same jesus bro like we're good and um but he's like mike is 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 a different person i said yeah dude mike really you have become a different person in this whole process of daily transformation right being slightly different than the day before but not yet arrived where you want to be and it's in that process and that transition and progression right um so i was like dude yeah it's been rad to watch you grow in those things right like to be a better to be a better dad a better husband and a better follower of, of jesus and i've like on this side weekly conversations, you know, whatever. I get to watch that. And that's what this whole thing's about, right? Is everyone is in the process of transformation, period. If you're a follower of Jesus and a pursuer of him, you are in transition. You are progressively becoming more like him. And Christianese is progressive sanctification, which once you believe in Jesus, you're sanctified, you were made righteous, but they progress the progression of working out that salvation in your life through your actions and the renewing of your mind is what's I get to watch with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to brag with your parents a little bit like, dude, yeah, it's been rad to like, you know, see Mike grow and do these things. I said, yeah, dude, Mike's not even the same person he was a year ago. And he's like, they're like, dude, I know. Right. Like, he's just like, so different. So amazing. I'm like, dude, it, it really has been um, a rad transformation watching you um, really sell out and go all in and, and go just no, no plan B with Jesus, bro. Like all in, like, let's go. Um, so props to you and to just this progress, bro. Like, um, like the epitome of realizing aside from Jesus, we're nothing like, Aside from relationship with him, everything, if you leave Jesus out of it, is is only going to be a shell of what could have been. And then you bring Jesus into the equation and everything that we do goes to glorify, honor, and serve him. Your family transform, you transform, your relationships in work transform. Like you begin to see grace pour out into your life through your family, your friends, your people, right? Like that's what this whole thing is, is continually and that whole process of watching Jesus pour himself out through you is continually um, allowing him to work inside you and transform through you and in you to be care- continuously allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, to transform you to what, as soon as, you know, the Holy Spirit brings up something like, you know, even in, in regards to like that side of, of like how the, your past defining you as far as as veteran, as you know, being deployed and allowing the mindsets of, you know, you've taken the good things, but then you've allowed the Holy spirit in this process to trim away the bad, like Mm -hmm. being situationally aware is a great thing. Being disciplined the way you learned in the military is a great thing. Like all those things Jesus can redeem and use for his glory, which we'll talk about part two, how that trans transitions into like the protector mindset, which is what Jesus asked us to be. All that can be done through the transforming and the renewing of the mind. And you can't expect yourself to be the husband and the father and the protector that you're called to be without continually allowing him to renew this thing in your head. You like 
that like you can't stay. I mean, even look at like the Israelites, right? You know, they were instructed not to store up the bread, the manna that fell from heaven for tomorrow, because you know, every day manna would come. God's provision is daily. And the ones that hoarded it up and try to, you know, preserve it themselves, like it turned to ash and the mold into 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 nasty, it rotted, right? Like the whole thing is it's a daily renewing a daily transformation a daily a daily a daily realization that every day i need to be cognizant of what i'm thinking about every day i need to allow him to be um, working his salvation in my mind because everyone has not arrived like if you can sit here and tell me i have worked through all my stuff and i'm amazing today and i'm gonna be like Hey man, have you ever read Proverbs, which says a which says pride comes before a fall? Like you're in a dangerous place if you think that you have gotten sanctified enough that you can do without Jesus. Like that's a yeah. scary place to be in. Um, we need to be continually renewed and transformed and magnify Him in our mind, in our heart, and our soul every day in order for us to become. Um, the vessel he's called us to be the father. He's called us to be the protector. He's called us to be fill in the blank that he's called you to be. Um, it cannot be done without saying, Jesus, take my stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly, and use it and redeem it for your glory period. And watch him just blow your mind. That's like, I mean, even like, like your skill set that you learned in the military, like, shoot, move, communicate, right? You've learned those things. And now that you've submitted to Jesus, he can now redeem those things and use them as a tool for his glory, teaching people how to shoot, move, communicate, how mm -hmm. to operate a firearm, how to train jujitsu, how to whatever skill set that you've learned in your past, God wants to use and redeem for his glory today and going forward. It takes us being conscious of saying, Jesus, take it all. If there's anything left in me that still needs to be redeemed and I still need to lay it down, Lord, show me so I can be used for your glory. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for as a pen to be written as the kingdom of heaven through us onto the earth. That's what God's called us to be is a vessel of light, right? A light in dark place. So I don't know, man, I'm excited for part two. We haven't talked much about protection um, explicitly on this podcast that has guns in the title, which I'm really excited about. Um, I know. And it's been like, like a, a whole time. year. We're on like episode, this will be 24 a 24 B will it's like an exit <laughs> on the freeway. Dude, I know, <laughs> especially out here, bro. But yeah, dude, I'm excited, man. Let's bring some protection side of it. I know we've talked about jujitsu a couple different times, um, but we'll get into all that shenanigans uh, in part B of this mess. But man, I'm just, yeah, I again, I think, maybe some people aren't super understanding of how the two topics kind of go together. Ooh, let's, you let's know? bridge that I don't gap, know if that, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. I, I don't have know actually, if that's a question. I have, let's, we're going to answer it, even if it isn't a question. But I think um, it should be, it should be something that's kind of addressed because it, just because someone isn't um 
I don't know, just because someone isn't, well, just because someone is a follower of Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't like, not necessarily violent, but have the ability to, I don't know. I don't Dude, know okay, necessarily so, say that. Yes, this is what it is, okay? The Bible uses the word meek to describe Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't say weak. He said meek. The word says meek. And in order to be meek, it is a a very powerful person choosing to remain peaceful, right? Like you can't say, hey, I'm a man of peace unless you are capable of great violence. Because if mm-hmm. you were not capable of great violence, there would be no, you would just be there. There would not, you wouldn't be able to choose peace if you weren't capable of, of extreme violence if necessary. Right. So the most powerful being in the entire universe chose to not ever once retaliate against the wickedness that was dealt to him, which is Jesus here on earth. Right. Mm -hmm. He could have with all the might and the power, like, um, I, I think it's Elijah. He gets backed up into this, I can only, my mind just goes crazy, but he gets backed up into this, like this, uh, like cove of rocks. And there's a, an army that's trying to kill him. And he just stops and he's kind of looking around. He's like, do you have anything to say? He's like, Oh, let, he said, Lord, let them see what I see. And immediately the entire army's eyes were illuminated to chariots of fire that surrounded him on the top of the mountain. And they turn around and flee and and fled. That's the power plus so much more that Jesus could have demonstrated on earth. But he's called us as leaders and men to protect our family first, but also to be the protector of his home, like his people, right? Like they're read the old Testament. It is completely it's, it's, it's throughout is, is the Israelites going to war for their country, for their, right to to worship the almighty god look at look at all the old testament they were capable of extreme violence but chose peace that hasn't changed like we should be able to first of all protect our home because no one else Mm -hmm. is going to do it physically but you can't say that you're a man of peace without being able to defend yourself and to be capable of extreme violence. Um, that's a whole, like, I can't wait to bridge that gap a little bit more. Cause that just gets me a little excited inside. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I Whoa. think it's uh, pretty important that, um, people understand that, um, like there's that saying, it's like better to be a warrior in a garden or a guard. Yep. Warrior in a garden and a gardener in a war type thing or yep. something like that. Yep. And um it makes sense. Uh and like especially nowadays, there's a lot of um potential violence that's happening in churches and stuff like that, which we've had yep. we have mentioned before. But um it's it's important for everyone, even just even just regular people like, Hey, you should be the one who yep. people can look to, to help. Like yep. you should be able to help people. 
whether it's not necessarily with violence or fighting or shooting or whatever, you should be able to like give first aid, you know, if someone or something is happening and you need to give them first aid, what, what's, you know, yep. Do you know what to do? Yep. You know, um, a lot of people don't know basic first aid, which it's not even that difficult. You can watch YouTube and learn some stuff and buy stuff online and it's, um, it's pretty basic, you know, uh, stopping bleeding or checking airways or the Heimlich maneuver CPR. Yep. Knowing how to do, how to use a automatic external defibrillator, which is super easy. It literally tells you every single step and it's not, you know, it's not hard to do. There's a lot of things that people can learn just from watching YouTube videos <clears throat> and then a couple classes or whatever. Yep. It's easy. So, yeah, and that dude, I can't wait to talk into even like that as well. It is easy. And it's like, just because you want to choose ignorance doesn't make the need any more relevant or less relevant. You know, it's like, just because, I mean, if you want to do the ostrich thing and keep your head in the sand and pretend like you don't need to know first aid or any sort of you know, shooting jujitsu, whatever. I mean, how much more it's, I think like the statistics, like you're like, like a thousand times more likely to use a tourniquet to stop the bleed in a car accident than you would ever in a, in a, in a shooting situation. It's like everyone drives cars. The statistical odd of being in a vehicle accident is astronomically higher than anything else. Like Mm -hmm. you could go to the grocery store and watch someone get smoked in a car and if you didn't know basic first aid on how to stop arterial bleeding out of the driver, like, yep. What's up, bro? Like what WTH, what the heck, bro? Yeah. And, um, like obviously you're, you, you're not expected and we're not saying that you should know how to do every life-saving thing. Like you should definitely know how to put a tourniquet on. Yep. You should have one and like maybe an Israeli bandage or compression dressing of some sort. Um, yep. And those are minor things that you can get and keep in your car for 30, 40 bucks yep. and just keep it there. And, um, and, and also the other thing is um, no one is expecting you to put yourself in danger Yes. to help somebody else. There's, that's not, it's a different thing for me. Um, you know, like me and Nate on a regular basis are doing security at church. And yep. that is, that's, that is our, that's our job there is to yep. put our lives in danger to protect the people at the church because yep. that's what we decided to do. Um, and an example would be Andrew on a regular, not on a regular basis, but a lot of times he'll say, if we see, you know, someone on the side of the road, whether they be having a flat tire or something, or there's an accident, um, he'll ask why I didn't stop to help. And a lot of the times it's because if I'm with him, I'm not going to stop and help a stranger because I have my initial responsibility is to protect him. Yep. And I'm not going to put him in danger at all to help somebody else. Now, one thing that did happen when we were in Phoenix before is we were leaving the range on baseline, the uh, Phoenix Ryan gun club. Yeah. And I was with my buddy Ryan and it was me, him and Andrew. 
and there was an accident right in front of us. And this was when I was an EMT and I had pulled over to the side of the road and went and help. And Ryan stayed with Andrew. Yep. And so that's a different story. You know what I mean? So I, he was safe and I was able to help until fire came. And then I told him what was up, what happened and then left. Yep. So <clears throat> that's a different story. Like, so that that's kind of where I'm, what I'm saying is no, I'm, nobody expects you to put your children in danger in order to help somebody. Um, if you know, if you're, if you're with your wife and your kid, like if it was me and Aaron and Andrew and we were out somewhere and someone needed help, we, it would be a situationally dependent decision, yep. right? If someone else is already there helping and depending there's on no how need. serious yep. the issue is mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, there's all kinds of different variables that come into play that um, we would discuss that it, w- it wouldn't be a discussion. It would just be like, okay, what's going on? Is this, you know, safe for yep. me? Because even, even health professional or health professionals but like firefighters yep if they're going to something let's say i don't know let's say there's a firearm involved or something like that let's say someone gets shot firefighters aren't going to show up to that scene unless the police are there to secure it so they're not going to go in ahead of time they're going to stop outside of the area and stage wait for police to go in to secure the area and then they're going to go in and assess the situation so Firefighters do not go in before police do if there's something like that, yep. you know, so that's just not something that happens. And people may yep. think that, oh, yeah, firefighters are super brave and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, they're brave because they go into fires and whatnot, but they're not going to go to a shooting. Yeah. And they're not going to, you know, put their life in danger. Love you. Where are you going? Okay, bye. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the, the, they're not going to do it. So I'm not going to do anything more than people who get paid to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there's, you know, there's obviously variables and we'll, we can go and have a, we can have a whole conversation about it later um, yeah. next time. But just in general, just speaking about it, we're not going to, we're not saying like, hey, dude. <laughs> the if someone has a, if someone has a flat tire downtown you're going to pull over with your kid in the car seat and help the people because there's people nowadays who are out there doing that specifically yep. to rob people yep you know or carjack yep. people and yep. or I mean, whatever there was the one that was fairly recently that was the car was taken something like that it was either stopped to help or like the kid was in the car seat at the gas station and the kid the people carjacked and took the baby the baby and the car like, yeah, it's just the world we live in, man. And it's even more so now to our responsibility as men to just be aware of what's happening and to be cognitive and to understand, you know, the role between a husband and a wife, it's, it's same value, different functions. Like that's just how it works out and as a man as our job is to protect first our family like you said like you're not going to stop with andrew in the car i'm not going to stop with any of the kids in the car if it's just me well now we'll put it this way depending on the situation i may stop with andrew in the car if we're just coming from the range that's true and he has access to a strap that's true i I may depending on the situation right if it's like someone one person yep 
and they need help with something, let's say, let's say hypothetically, it's a female, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, not because that's, you know, think about it, people. I'm not, it's not because just because it's a female, but generally speaking, women don't know how to do a lot of mechanical stuff, right? So yeah. I'm not going to sit there and change the tire for someone. That's not going to happen, but I'll tell yeah. them how to do it um, or something along those lines, right? So a dude who is broken down on the side of the road, they should know how to change a tire. Like 100% all the time, yep. no questions yep. asked. I'm not going to help a dude change a tire. Not going to happen. <laughs> I will roll by and be like, you good? Which I do on a, on a regular yep. basis. And then like, let's say they need like a jump or something like that. That's a different story, right? That's yeah. Um, that's not changing a tire. That's, that's a completely different thing. So mm-hmm. we're not, I'm not saying that, but we want to make sure that uh, we're realistic with what we're yeah. trying to do well, and help with people because yeah. the last thing that you want to do, like one of the first things that they teach you in EMT when you're going to a, a, a situation is BSI scene safety, body substance isolation, right? So body substance isolation scene safety so if i'm going to a car accident is something on fire because when they're on fire i'm not going to go try to help anybody on paper depending on the situation i may do yeah. it but you know yeah <clears throat> same thing with like the shootings anyways getting off on a tangent we'll talk about it later yeah do anything else that's it man let's pray out let's uh do this thing All right. uh, jesus we just thank you for the privilege to be counted as son and daughter and lord what it is an honor to still have you in the business of redeeming and sanctifying and uh, healing us, Lord, but also um, equipping us to be your hands and feet here on earth and all the ways that call, that uh, ask us to be, Lord. So we surrender it to you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. So find us on Instagram, God Guns and Family Podcast. You didn't even say amen. Yeah. Amen. I said amen in my head, maybe. <laughs> amen, amen. Jesus loves you. Uh, right. Find us on Instagram. Email us, Podcast at gmail.com. See you guys.